and good morning. What a promise we have from one who's faithful. Amen. <clears throat> uh, today, while well, I'm going to make an announcement or two, we're going to begin on page 1400 towards the back of the Bible this morning. 1400, we'll start there and finish up on uh, 1401. Real quick, uh, report from Olga. They're making uh, some adjustments there with the two kiddos that she's got in her home now with Gabriel and Everly beginning to sleep a little better. We're here. Bless the Lord for that. Just pray for continued healing for that family and their circumstances. And uh, great news for Santos and Kim and that family. They both have had surgeries in the past few weeks, I believe. And both of them are recovering really well. So bless the Lord for that. Um, Joey, want to mention your dad? Is it Mark? Is that what he goes by? Martin, I'm sorry. Okay, all right. Um, he's having some hard times out there in California. We'll pray for Martin this week and the family. Bless you guys. All right, we're going to be in First John chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. <clears throat> Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, we bless you for such a privilege it is to come and to give you honor and praise and just to raise your name up above all things in our life, Lord Jesus. We thank you that as we come, we can be refreshed and reminded of how we should not be enamored by the things of this world, but be completely devoted to things that are related to your will, your commandments, and life with you. So, God, we pray for, for your spirit to move here today. We bless you that, Lord, that you give us wisdom to test spirits. We know they're not all from you. So help us, Lord, to always know, Lord, which spirits are from you. We thank you for, Lord, all that's here today. And, Lord, we know that your word will be spoken and taught. And, Lord, if we go in with the right hearts, Lord, and pray, I pray, God, you help us to come before you with open hearts so that we can hear your word for us today. Lord, we bless you. We thank you for this time together. And we do pray for these uh, these families, as there's recovery going on and blessing there, pray that continue. We do pray for Olga and her family, Lord. We pray for these kids. I pray, God, that you would give them peace that, that only can come from you and strength to, to go along with that, Jesus. And I also <clears throat> lift up Joe's family, Martin and all of his family. Lord, we pray that you would be there um, to give strength and peace there as well. And I pray your presence is known. And through these difficult times, Lord Jesus, that your name can be lifted high and people would come to know who you are and that you truly are a loving God. We bless you and we thank you, Lord, for this privilege of being here today. And we pray that your spirit would reign and rule in all that goes on in this house today. Bless you, Jesus, we pray. Amen.
Justice has been satisfied. He will hold me fast. Raised with him to endless life. He will hold me fast. Good morning. Well, as um, we were singing back there, um, Bob shared something with me, and I just want to share it with you. And uh, it's a great place of praise. So he has a friend, and this friend was um, went to the doctor, and it looked like he had cancer. And so they, he definitely had a tumor, and they expected it to be cancer. And so Bob has been praying continually for this man and they did the surgery took the tumor out sent it off and praise the Lord it is not cancerous and so he just uh, 
had an opportunity to share with this man that he had been praying for him and he believed God answered this prayer. So he's encouraging this man to draw close to Jesus. So praise the Lord for that place. Well, today we're going to be in John. We're continuing in the book of John. So if you'll open your Bibles to page 1243. We're going to be in the uh, John chapter 15, and our verses today are going to be actually 18 through chapter 16 through uh, verse 4. So verse 18 of chapter 15 down through 16, 4. But I want us to recap a little bit in John 15 before we look at these scriptures that he has for us today so that we can understand and be reminded of what Jesus is saying. As you remember, Jesus is only a few hours away from the place of being taken and the place of suffering and the place of crucifixion and the place of death and burial and resurrection. And so he's talking with his disciples in a place of sharing with them the things that are dearest to his heart, the things that he wants them to remember as he's leaving them here. And so he talks to them in this place of chapter 15 of being, and he uses a... Um, symbolic, a metaphor, a, a, a place of understanding, a figurative understanding for them that we looked at a couple of weeks ago where Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And he says in chapter 15, verse 4, he says, if you abide in me and I in you, he says, then you're going to bear fruit. He says, if you are connected to me as the vine and the branch are connected, then you will bear fruit. And he tells us several things I want us just to be reminded of. And um, in that verse 4, it says, Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. So he's saying you can do nothing on your own. You have to stay connected to me. That word abide means to remain, to stay connected. And uh, then look at verse 5. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. So first he says, you can do nothing if you're not connected. And then verse 5 says, if you are connected, you will bear much fruit. He tells us in verse 7, he says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, and you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. We talked about this verse, and Daniel talked about this more extensively last week, that it's not saying that whatever you pray, God will just do. And sometimes we get to that point. We just say, well, I'm praying this. I expect this to happen. But what Bob was doing was he was aligning with what Jesus was doing and praying into what Jesus' heart would be 
for this situation. And that's what is being said right here. He says, if you abide in me, if you are in me, if your desires are my desires, if your prayers are my prayers, my words will abide in you. He, he is the word, right? So his very words would abide in you then you would align with his desires for a situation. Of course, whatever you ask will be done. It's not just our want list that God is checking off, but it's when we align with him and his purpose. You see, in this place, this place that Bob was praying, it's far more than the tumor was not cancerous. It's about God using this situation to draw this gentleman to him. That's the heart of the Father. He goes on to tell us in verse 10, he says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So he's saying, how do you abide in me? You keep my commandments. You have my word living in you, and you live those words, my commandments, out. And that's how you abide in me. You keep them. You guard them. You protect them. Then verse 12. Um, yes, verse 12 says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. This is my commandment. Jesus is saying, I want to tell you something, is that this is the most important thing right here that I want you to remember is that you love one another as I have loved you. Then he goes on down to verse 16. He says, but you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. There's that same understanding again. And he says, these things I command to you that you love one another. So this place of chapter 6, I'm sorry, verse 16 and 17 lead into what we're going to look at today. So Jesus says in verse 16, he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Sometimes this place of uh, that he chose you gets um, misunderstood and mistaught a lot of times. In fact, it's taught oftentimes that this is a place that God chooses just certain people out of the world and the rest of the world he didn't choose. That's not at all how it is. It's not a place that Jesus is saying that you were in this place, the chosen one. I like this place where God told me a long time ago, it's much like the children of Israel. They were chosen, but they weren't special. He loves the whole world. So what he's saying here is that you've been a chosen and you've been appointed for a mission, for a purpose. He's saying, when you come to me and you abide in me, then I have chosen you, that those that will abide in me, to a special mission. Does that make sense? 
You've been chosen for a purpose, for his purpose. You have to understand that as we go forward. And then he says, these things I command you. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Not only in this purpose, but the, his purpose is to go and bear fruit. So you have to see that God, those that would abide, he chooses for a purpose. And that purpose is to go and bear fruit. And then he comes down on in verse 17, and he says, These things I command you, that you love one another. So this purpose that God is choosing you for, this mission that he's sending you out on, is wrapped up in the very place of loving one another. Today's lesson starts in verse 18. It says, if the world hates you, and you know that it's hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the world I'm sorry, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they do to you for my name's sake, because they do, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have sin and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. So interesting, as I was studying in this place, the God began to show me, he said, you have to see what this place is talking about. And he's, you have to understand, I'm sending you out to bear fruit and to love one another. And then he comes right in and he says, even if, you have to love one another, even if, that's really what he's saying here, even if the world hates you. Sometimes we look at this scripture and we go, well, I know so-and-so hates me because, you know, they hated Jesus too. And somehow... We justify what's going on by this very scripture. Oh, well, we knew the world was going to hate us. When we look at this place in that play, in that way, we lose the power 
of what Jesus is saying. Because what Jesus is saying is, is that I command you to love one another, period. He's not saying, I, I command you to love those that are in your church. I command you to love those that are your friends. I command you to love those that you all agree and get along with. No, he's saying, I command you. How strong that is. Because he's already said to us that if you're going to abide in me, you have to keep my commandments. <clears throat> now he's saying, here's how this looks. When the world hates you, because it will, you have to love. Because that's the mission that I'm calling you to, and that's the fruit that you will bear. You remember Jesus told the disciples, he said, when you love one another, this is how they'll know you are my disciple. This is what will define where you are. And it's so true because in verse 19, sorry, I've got a little allergies this morning, and um, <clears throat> Verse 19, he helps us to understand that. He said, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. In other words, he's saying so clearly here, he's saying, if you were of the world, the world would love you. It wouldn't hate you. But you're not of the world. He says, I've chosen you out of the world. So I was looking at that place in the world a little bit to just see what he was saying to us and, uh, and, and the world, how we would see that. The world, and, and what I believe the Lord was defining for me, this place of the world, is those that are not united with Jesus. That's the world. Those who oppose who Jesus is. Those who are under the influence and the authority of the enemy. You see, it gets divided right there. Those who oppose Jesus, those who are not united with Jesus and those who are under the influence and the authority of the enemy, the world. Now, what I would tell you is, is that I believe the world would actually argue with that point. I believe that they would say, well, just because we're not under the influence of Jesus and not united with him doesn't mean we're under the influence of the enemy. I believe the, the world would argue that. But I believe Jesus is helping us to understand this. And I believe the Bible is helping us to understand that those of the world are under the influence of the enemy. So when you see this, then you begin to see 
that what Jesus is calling you to do is to love those who are influenced by his enemy, by Satan. Certainly, that is not how the world would set up its standards for love. But I want to take you to a couple of scriptures. Turn with me just back a page to, um, oh, I'm sorry, it's on page 13. 43 it's John 14 verse 30 oh I'm sorry it's just a page over I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry it's on page 1242 page 1242 John 14 30 it says I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. The ruler of this world. The ruler of this world. John 14, verse 30. The ruler of this world. So the world comes under the authority. Do you see that? Of the enemy of God. Now let's look at Ephesians 2. That's on page 1343. Ephesians 1. Let's start in Ephesians 1. Page 1343, Ephesians 2, verse 1. And Paul writes, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. He's saying the people who are disobedient to the call of Jesus are under the power of the prince of the power of the air. And that they have been influenced just as you and I were by that place and drawn in to the lust of the flesh and the lust of the mind. And were by nature children of wrath. It's divided. Those under the authority of the enemy and those united with God. There's no middle ground. The world would want you to believe that there is a middle ground, a gray area, where you're maybe not aligned with the enemy, but you're just not united with Jesus. You just don't really believe in that world. You're just somewhere in the middle. But the Bible says that's not the way it is. 
I want to show you something. I hadn't planned to show you this, but I want to take you back and show you where it even began. In Genesis 3, go all the way back to Genesis 3. In your Bible here, it's going to be on page 3. So let's just start in verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of everything? I'm sorry, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. So at this point, where is Eve? She is united with what God has said. She says, God has said this, and this is where we are, and this is where I am. And then the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, her eyes said, hmm, that's good, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. So the serpent comes and says, Oh, don't listen to what God has to say. Look how good this is. Look how this is going to make you and how it's going to lift you up and make you wise and how it's going to be fulfilling to you. And she joined the serpent. There's no gray area. She was here and she joined here. There's no gray area. The world. Turn with me to one last scripture. It's on page 1328, 2 Corinthians. Chapter 4, verse 4. Well, let's start with verse 3. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine on them. Their minds, their minds are blinded by the God of this age. The enemy of God. They're blinded. They're not united with who he is. Now let's turn back to John 15 where we were earlier on page 1243. And now let's look at this place. As we see these two kingdoms, we see this place united with Jesus and this place under the authority and the influence of the enemy. 
That's the only two areas anyone can be in. There's no other area. Now let's read verse 18. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. The world is the enemy because it's under the influence of Satan. Hates God. And it hates anything that is in God's kingdom. Anyone who is in God's kingdom. Verse 19 says, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. You see, its own in this kingdom. It loves everyone in its kingdom under its influence of the enemy. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world. We were all in that world. And I love that understanding about salvation because it literally means to take you out of, to pick you up and take you out and to deliver you somewhere else. So he's saying, but I chose you out of this. He's saying, I brought you out of this for my purpose. And that's where he's planting you. Out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So now you're in this other kingdom. He hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they keep my word, they will also keep your they will keep yours also. Of course, you are united. You are abiding in this kingdom. You are remaining on the vine. They're going to hate anything that is attached to the enemy of God because they're under the influence of the enemy. Verse 21, But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake because they do not know him who sent me. He's saying they are totally ignorant of who God is. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He's saying, but I, they didn't understand, but I've come. And they've seen. They've seen the miracles. They've heard uh, my testimony. Jesus is saying, I have shown them that I am. And yet they have chosen not to believe. They've chosen to remain in the world, and they have no excuse for their sin. He said, he who hates me hates my father also. Because why? Because they abide, they are connected, they are in oneness. So you can't hate one and not hate the father as well. Verse 24 says, if I had done... I'm sorry, if I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. So he says they saw the very works that only God could do. Only God could do. Raising Lazarus, yes. Healing the sick, the lame walk, yes. They've seen. They've seen, they've had an opportunity. They've had an opportunity to leave where they were and to come into the kingdom of where he is. 
verse um, 25 says, But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. So the prophecy is being fulfilled. Then Jesus says something very interesting right here. He says, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. And then he goes back and he says, These things I've spoken to you, that you should not be made to stumble. What I want you to hear today is, Jesus commands the disciples and he commands us to love no matter what the situation is. No matter if you're being persecuted, no matter if you're being hated, no matter, these people are going to all, or most of them all die from terrible hatred. And yet, Jesus is calling them to love. So I believe that these words are not to lift us up to a place to say, well, you know, they hated Jesus, so they hate us. Oh, well, we're in good company and move on. I think that is not the message Jesus is sending here. I think the message that Jesus is sending is that he's calling each one of us and commanding each one of us for the purpose that would glorify the Father in that we would love in the most desperate and uh, divided situations. To love. But then he comes on and he says in verse 26, you're not going to be able to do this on your own. I'm sending you a helper. The Holy Spirit. That's why he puts this right in the middle. You see, he's talking about the hatred before, and then he's talking about the hatred after that. We'll go on and read that here in a minute. But he's talking about the hatred. But in the middle, he puts this place, and he says, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. You see, what he is saying right here is that when you're in the midst of these places, when people are doing you wrong, when people have hurt you, when people have caused injury to you emotionally or even physically, when things are not going as they should, he's calling us to love and out of this love, it will testify, it will be evidence of who he is. Because you couldn't do this on your own. The world would not walk in this way. The world would not love in this way. The world would divide. The world would be angry. The world would be condescending, and we're called to love. I thought about this scripture 
and how Jesus is saying, but I'm sending the helper because he knows you're not capable of doing this on your own, that you can't manufacture this kind of love. It has to be genuine, and it's only genuine when the Holy Spirit fills us up, the spirit of truth. What does that mean? That spirit that is reflecting who he is, and it testifies. It's evidence of him. That fulfills his mission. But then in verse 16, he says something very interesting. He says, these things I've spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. You should not be made to fall away. You see, most of the time when we are in a situation where people have wronged us, when people hate us, when people are condemning to you, most of the time what the flesh wants to do is to fight back, to take revenge. to be justified in our own thoughts. But Jesus is saying, I'm telling you this ahead of time because some really hard things are going to happen in your life. You have to love through those and not stumble. I looked up a couple of scriptures that I felt like God was leading me to to help us to understand this more clearly and he took me to several and it was interesting that God would give you first John to read out of today Bill and so because he gave me several in first John so turn with me first John um, chapter 3 is on page 1400 chapter 3 verse 13 it says do not marvel my brethren if the world hates you he's saying don't be surprised if the world hates you it's exactly what he's telling to the disciples don't be surprised at this and then if you look down at verse 23 he says and this is his commandment John is writing he said this is Jesus's commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. John is writing about this very place that Jesus is saying, I'm giving you this commandment. And I love what Bill read. We're going to look at that because I thought it fits so nicely. It goes on in verse 24 and says, Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him. You see, there's that place of abiding in him. And he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. <coughs> Excuse me. Do you see that? Do you see what he's saying right there? 
John is writing this about the very place that Jesus is talking. He's saying he's commanded us to love one another. And then he says, and by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he's given us. You see, it testifies of him. And then Bill read verse uh, 1 of chapter 4, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now already in the world. Two camps. There's the spirit of the Antichrist. And he's saying, test these spirits. Make sure you're not, they're not coming from that camp. That's the Antichrist. Or from the camp with Jesus. There's two kingdoms. Which kingdom is speaking? Turn with me to Matthew 5 uh, on page 1116. is a great place that Jesus is sitting and talking with his disciples early on in, in his teaching with them and helping them to grow and understand what it means and to walk in the spirit of God's ways. So look at verse 43, chapter 5, verse 43. And these are the very first things that Jesus is beginning to tell them here. It says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now that comes out of Leviticus. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. This is what Jesus is reminding the disciples. He's already told them this three years earlier. And I'm sure probably has talked about it numerous times in between. But the very last few things that he wants them to know is that the world is going to hate you. The world is going to persecute you. But he's saying, you should love them and pray for them. He goes on in verse 45, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. You see, he ties this together with true salvation. He says, if you don't do this, are you truly sons of God? He's saying, you do these things that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the, his son rise on evil 
and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. I was reading that, and it was so awesome how God just began to show me. He said, do you see in these places where there are the unjust, where there are the, the children of disobedience, in this kingdom over here, I send, what does it say, my sunshine, my sunrise, and my rain. Those are his blessings. Those are figurative for his love and his blessings. And he's saying, on these people over here in this kingdom, this is the way I love them. And, and I thought about that because I thought about the times when I was in this kingdom and the goodness of God that he would pour out on me to show me who he is. If we're not careful, we can become sinister is the word I hear over this place of seeing this, the people in this world as, well, they're not of Jesus. That is not the heart of the Father. And that is not where he's calling us to be. He's calling us to walk in such a strong place to love the world even though we are not in the world but to pour out his rain on the world, to bring his sunshine into the world, that they might see him. That's the heart of the Father. I saw this in John 3.16. If you want to turn there, um, let's see, page 12.23. This is a scripture we all know so well, but I saw it so differently as we studied this today and through the last few days. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, he's pouring out his sunrise and his rain on the world that they might see him and be brought into his kingdom for everlasting life with him. I was reminded in Luke 12, um, I'm sorry, Luke 23, on page 12, 17, Starting in verse 34, Jesus is on the cross. And it says in verse 34, And then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And the people stood looking on, but even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ, the chosen one of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of kings, save yourself. 
And in this environment, Jesus says, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They're ignorant. I want to leave you with one last scripture on page 11:22. It's Matthew 10. Page 11:22, Matthew 10 verse 22. And Jesus is talking about some very difficult times that will happen. Let's start with verse 21, actually. It says, Now brother will deliver up brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. Wow, even in the family, there's going to be all of this division. And it says, And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. This place of not stumbling is this place of enduring. So Jesus is telling the disciples, he's saying, you're going to be hated, but I I want you to love one another, even in the midst of this, and I will send my Holy Spirit to help you in this, and he will testify of me. And I'm telling you these things now so that you will not stumble. You will not fall away from my commandment. You will continue to testify of me in this place of love. And you will endure to the end in my kingdom. You will not fall away. I I think that is such a more powerful understanding than the word stumble. The word stumble to me is just kind of like a little hiccup in the road, you know? It doesn't seem that important. But when I looked up that word, the word means fall away. That seems important. Fall away from his commandments. Fall away from his ways to your own ways, to your own self. I wrote down just a few things I want to kind of just read to you because I loved how the Lord was showing me. He said, these verses are not only to alert the disciples and us to the opposition of the world that it is out there, but it is a warning that one could fall away, a warning that one would no longer be abiding It's a call to action for the mission that he's called us to, to rather continue in our purpose to remain and abide in the place that he's called us to love even in the midst of hate. I thought this was such a powerful time to teach us this place as we come into what I would say another challenging place in our country because we don't see much persecution actually 
we came to church and no one tried to stop us today and and, and no one was uh, burning anyone or cutting anyone's heads off and and uh, we're really pretty naive to persecution aren't we but I thought about this place that God was allowing us to understand this and I thought about the division in our country and our division the division in our world and it's it's divided on every front I mean whether you get a COVID vaccine or you don't there's a huge division and there's a huge hatred for one side to the other and um whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, there is a division and there's hatred. And whatever seems to be the issues at the time, there is com continual uh, division and hatred. But the Lord began to show me. He said, do you not see this hurting world? That's the only way it knows how to respond is in division and in hatred. And the reason is, is because it's under the influence of the enemy. And the over, only thing that will conquer and bring forth the testimony of Jesus is when the church walks in love in the midst of the hatred. Not trying to be right for right's sake, but trying to be in love for love's sake. So I believe the Lord gave me a song this morning that we could sing at the end here. And um, it's called, uh, I Speak Jesus. And um, what I saw in this song is that so often wow, uh, that we sing it about ourselves, that the destruction that the enemy might be bringing to us, we want to speak Jesus so it'll go away. And there is some power in that. And there is some good things about that. But the way I heard it this morning was the heart of the Father. That we might love enough that we could walk out into the world and truly, out of love, speak Jesus to a hurting and dying world. That it might testify of him. I pray that this is a place that would touch your hearts. And if there is any place inside of you that feels the division, that feels hatred, that feels unforgiveness for people, that you would see they're not of this kingdom, and that your heart would be filled with love that you would want to testify to them of his love. 
if you are burdened with places this morning that the Lord, the Lord has awakened you to, I pray that you would come to the back and allow our elders to pray with you as you walk out of the influence of the enemy and into the power of the Most High and can speak Jesus. Jesus from the mountains and Jesus in 
Speak Jesus.